Lord, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are the Lord. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to Jesus. You do have no rival. All your rivals are defeated. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. You are our Savior, our Healer, our Deliverer, our Guide, and our Friend. You're our Father, and we are your children. You love us, Lord. You pour out your gifts and your grace. There's nothing we could do to earn it, but we open up our hearts and we receive it. Pour out your love. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your power. Fill us, Lord. Fill us to overflowing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people shouted. Hey, church. Remain standing a little bit longer. Let's pray for this guy. Come on. Come on out here. Who's here today like the tin man or Humpty Dumpty that was put back together Come again. Come on. <laughs> so he's full of metal and, and um, it's beginning to affect his brain slightly, I've noticed. <laughs> wow. He has not, like if Mitch had said, I need the next two weeks off, I'd have understood it because he's not even sleeping properly at night, but he wanted to be in the house of the Lord with God's people today. So come on, reach out your hands to him. Team, lay your hands on him. Let's pray for a speedy and miraculous recovery, okay? Father, we pray for Mitch. We thank you, Lord God, for all the good things you have done in his life up until now. And you have not finished. You have a plan for him. It's a good plan. And Lord, nothing is going to hold him back from leading your people into your presence in praise and worship. And Father, we just pray for healing to come to him. We pray that all pain would leave in the name of Jesus. No infection will return again in Jesus' name. His arm will be better and stronger than it ever was before. And he's going to be plucking that guitar and singing the high praises of God on it in miraculous time in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen, amen. Go ahead and take a seat. So um, today is the grand finale of our four-part message series we've been doing, um, which is called Living in Alignment, Living in Alignment. And, and honestly, people, I, I, like, you know how when you want to share a message with people, maybe there's something that you have discovered in Scripture, and then you've tried it out, like in the crucible of your own life and experience, and it has proven to be true, and then you want to share it with everybody, and you think it's like this is the most important message I have ever shared. Unfortunately, I feel like that with almost every message, but this message, I really believe that this four-part series, it's like one of the most helpful discoveries that I ever made in my own personal life. I'm sure I've got many to make in the future, but up until now, it was one of the most important ones because like many people, perhaps like most people, I used to get frustrated with 
things not working out the way I planned for them to, the way I prepared everything for them to, the way I prayed and asked God for them to work out. And I've discovered, and, and, and my own experience, and then in watching other people, I've discovered that when, when we become frustrated in life, when we feel like um, we are at a dead end or things aren't working out, <coughs> excuse me, or we're under an attack or something like that, what we often tend to do is lash out at the circumstances outside of us, the things that we are not right and we want them to be right. But the problem is, usually if we are not in alignment with the path that we were intended to go down in life, if we're getting stuck going down dead ends and round and round roundabouts. I mean, if you look at the, the journey of the Israelites in the Exodus story, they kept doing that. They found a mountain and they went round and round and round it for years when they could have entered the promised land. The promised land didn't change from the time that they should have entered it until the time that they did. It wasn't the promised land that changed, it was them that changed. They wouldn't enter the promised land because their inner fears and doubts made them see the circumstances as insurmountable. It wasn't until years later until they all get fixed up. Well, actually, what happened was all the people with fears and doubts had grown old and died. And then the younger generation who had been brought up without those fears and doubts said, what are we doing going round this roundabout and down dead ends? There's a promised land. And they went in there. And what I discovered is that very often in life, it is not that the circumstances in our life are out of alignment, but internally, we are out of alignment. It would be like a train trying to run down the track and it keeps getting falling off the track and people wonder if there's something wrong with the track, but actually there was something wrong with the mechanics of the wheel in the train. You don't have to fix the tracks, you have to fix the train. Well, you're the train and I'm the train. God lays down a pathway. He leads us in paths of righteousness, or as a modern translation says, he leads us down the right path for our life, but sometimes our wheels are not aligned. Ever driven in a car with really bad aligned wheels? I mean, like, you know there's something not right, and you know if it's not fixed, it's just going to get worse. And so, we need to fix us. And so, once we're in alignment emotionally and mentally and subconsciously and spiritually, and things are fixed in us, all of a sudden, things become clearer on the outside. When you put the man back together, the whole world gets right. If you don't know what that means, you need to watch the video from lesson one. And, and then we looked at how there is then a pathway for us to walk down that God has prepared. And as you're put back together, and then as you discover who you are, how God has made you, what your gifts and talents and skills are and what they aren't, you then begin to become clearer about what your life purpose is. And once you're aligned on the inside and you find the path you should be going down and you become aligned with that, thing, all of a sudden you're on the right path in life and everything changes. But you could take everything I've said up until now and you could misunderstand two points and so I want to be really, really clear today about this. Number one, 
I've, I've talked about things like find and fix your fault lines, become acquainted with yourself and how God has wired you, discover your life purpose, all of these kinds of things. I do not want to give the impression that all of this is brought about by your human effort at becoming a better or wiser person, okay? This is not about you trying harder, working harder, trying to please God or get God to push you into the right place in your life because you've won goody points with them. You've got 14 Boy Scout badges now. You've, done, you've helped three old ladies across the road and now God's pleased with you and he's gonna, that's not how it works. It's nothing to do with human effort. By the works of the law shall no man be made righteous. Okay? Everything in the Christian life is the grace of God. It is not about our own human effort. In fact, what I'm trying to get across is when we become frustrated in life and we try to change this circumstance and we try to fix that problem and we try to sort that person out, thinking that all of that will make us happy. The more we try to do things with natural human effort, the worse they become. But when we are under the grace of God, and it is, we realize it is not a matter of our performance, but the fact that God loves us just the way we are and pours his grace upon us, that is what guides us onto the right path. The other misunderstanding that I that could come, I don't know if it has, but I want to clear it up if it has, is this idea, could, could you give me one of those pieces of rope up there? Oh, it's a big fight for it. You, so. Right. <clears throat> Sometimes when pe we talk about God has a path for your life, and we looked at scriptures that talked about um, uh, that we have to walk in the good works that God prepared us to walk in beforehand, sometimes people have the idea that God's will is like a tightrope, right? And, and if you make a wrong step, you're going to fall off it and miss God's will. That's not true. God's, God's will for your life is not... Here's an example. Let's say you go to a restaurant after lunch and you're sitting there and there's a table next to you and there's, there's a family there and they've got a little baby and the little baby's all, you know, causing a fuss in the restaurant and the parents are embarrassed and, and you've got a little baby with you and you show that little baby and you're trying to help. You're doing something nice. You're doing something kind. You know, you don't need a prophetic word. Today you shall go to a restaurant. There shall be a fussy baby. It shall be the will of God for your life to help this fact. You just do things out of the goodness of your heart because you're doing something, you're in God's will. So it's not like a, 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 real, a tightrope that I don't know what God's will is. It might be this, but I could fall off of it at any moment. There is great flexibility within God's will. As long as you are living your life to please God, and as long as you are developing a deep and strong relationship with God, He will guide you in all that other stuff. He will help you fix and find your fault lines. In fact, He will find them and fix them for you. 
Search my heart, O Lord, and see if there be some hurtful way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. God is the one who does everything. This is not a matter of us working hard to discern God's will and working hard to please God. This is a matter of us coming into alignment with God and letting God love you and love other people through you. And so, what I want to talk about today is how to, I can't remember what I've called this, staying grounded in changing circumstances. So, what happens if I've got things right in my life, and I'm all healed up, and I've found my path, and I'm walking down my path, and all of a sudden, the goalposts have been moved. All of a sudden, the thing I was aiming for isn't working out. What if I was planning and entering into a business partnership with somebody and now they've died? I mean, like, the circumstances have changed. Sometimes we can, we can build the plans for our life on circumstances which are subject to change. And the way that we stay grounded in changing circumstances is if we make sure that our faith is not in a formula, not even the formula that I've been teaching you the last three weeks. Your faith is not in a formula. Your faith is in a living person. And when your faith is in him, you can... let, Let me put it this way. There are principles which are true. For instance, God created the law of gravity. If I step off right now, I'm going to fall because of the law of gravity. But if I step off there and fall and have defied the law of gravity, God loves me as much down there as he loves me up here. My my relationship with God doesn't change. Likewise, These are spiritual laws or principles we've been talking about, about coming into alignment with yourself and discovering your life path. What happens if I miss it and I make a mistake? God loves you just the same people. Your faith, your salvation, your passport to heaven, if you like, your, uh, the blessings that God brings into your life down here on earth, All of that is not dependent on your performance. It's dependent upon the fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus already performed for you. He died. He rose again. He returned to heaven. It is finished. The doors are open. God loves you even if you're still a big mess. Okay? Now, the reason that even though circumstances change, we can still have a grounded life in changing circumstances is because there's one thing that never changes, and that's God. God never changes. I don't mean he never changes in the sense that he's boring. I mean he never changes in the sense that he is dependable. Let's have a look at these verses about God never changing. It says here, so this is Malachi, Hebrews, and James. I've just put the three together. It says this, I am the Lord, I do not change. And then in Hebrews, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Was Jesus, when you read the Gospels in the past, was Jesus forgiving people and healing people and blessing people in the past? Was he? 
Well, he's still doing it today, and he'll be doing it forever. He never changes. It's not like, I'm Jesus, I'm here on the earth for three years, you know, I'm going to minister for three years, I'm going to be nice to you all, but then after I return to heaven, I'm going to be a big meanie. It's not like that. He hasn't changed. He's the same Jesus. Or James tells us, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Do you know there's no dark side to God's nature? You know, in psychology, they talk about humans, we have a shadow side. We have, you know, a We've pushed all of our dark stuff into one area and it can affect us. God doesn't have a shadow side. He has no shadow. He has no dark side. He is light. He is love. He is good all the time. And so God never changes. And because God never changes, we can know that even, even if we change, even if other people change, even if our circumstances change, even if everything we were building our plans on change, we shouldn't be putting our hope in our plans. We need to keep our hope in God because he never changes. And as long as we're connected to him, we know that no matter what happens on the outside, we're going to be safe and secure. And you know, one of the, you know, we tend to think of the cross as being like the, the symbol of the Christian church. But do you know before the cross was used as a symbol, a way, way back in the early, the early Christians, do you want to know what the most popular symbol that they used was? It was the symbol of an anchor. And we've got an old, there's a, some Christian graffiti from ancient Rome, okay? And there's an anchor with alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And they've even kind of like made the top look like a head, so it's still like the cross. And you might wonder, why did they use an anchor? I know it is like a cross, but why did they use particularly an anchor as a symbol? Well, they took it from a passage of Scripture. And this is a passage of Scripture that maybe is a little bit obscure at first. And it's a passage of Scripture that's sometimes used in old hymns and even modern worship songs. And I'm sure people sing it and don't know, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor, I've got no idea what this means. You know, it comes from the book of Hebrews. Let's look at a passage from the book of Hebrews now. It says this, we who have fled to Christ for refuge. Do you notice that? Christ is our refuge. It doesn't say we who are going to sort out the world and all the sinners in the world and all the demons in the world. It says, we who have fled to Christ for refuge, he's the one that sorts everything out. It's the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of you or me, right? Remember I said faith is not, does not mean us always getting our own way. It, faith means us trusting in God regardless of whether things are going our way or not, okay? We who have fled to Christ for refuge can have great confidence. Everybody shout confidence. You need to be confident, people. You need to get rid of all of that low self-esteem and fear and insecurity. Find and fix your fault lines and have great confidence in your heart. Yeah, but how can I be confident? I don't know very much. Yeah, but you know the person who knows it all. And you fled to him for refuge. It gives us great confidence. Now look at this. As we hold to the hope that lies before us, this 
Hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I want you to imagine that this little stand here is a boat. And I'm going to, and I want to imagine that I've got an anchor on the other side of this. We'll make this stand here an anchor, right? That's an anchor. And I take this boat and I tie this boat up to the anchor. That boat is now safe and secure. Now, it doesn't mean that the boat can't do anything or can't go anywhere. When the tide comes up, the boat can go up with the tide. When the tide goes down, the boat can go down with the tide. If the waves are strong and they push the boat this way, it can go over here for a while. If the current takes the boat over this way, it can go over here for a while. In fact, it can go, the, the boat can move about quite a bit, but eventually it will be stopped by the anchor. If you are connected to Christ, if he is an anchor for your soul, then there is, you know, the circumstances of life might cause your life to rise up and be blessed. Difficulties might come and you might find like you're going low. The storms of life might come and it might feel like they're going to blow you off course. But as long as you're still connected to the anchor, there is great flexibility in what can happen in your life. Remember Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in every circumstance. Whether I have abundance or whether I have lack, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So look at this, that's what an anchor is, but look at this anchor. An anchor for our souls, it leads us through the curtain. Some translations say through the veil, through the curtain, into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us he has become our high priest. Tanner, could you come out, Tanner? I need you just now. Tanner is going to be Jesus today. Right. But before you're Jesus, we're going to make you a Jewish high priest first, right? Okay. Under the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, once, one day a year, they had a day called the Day of Atonement when they would sacrifice a couple of goats and other things happened, and they would ask God to forgive their sins and everything else. And then the high priest would do something that was only done once a year. You see, in the temple, there was the holy place, there was the courtyard where the people came. We'll make where you are. You're the people in the courtyard of the temple. And then we'll make this stage the holy place where only the priests would go. And then there was a curtain or a veil and on the other side of that curtain and veil was called the Holy of Holies. And in there was the Ark of the Covenant. And one day a year, the high priest would go in there and the presence of God would meet with him in a powerful way. And, he would and, and if he came out alive, which he did every time, if he came out alive, then they would know that God had heard and answered the prayers and the people's sins had been forgiven. But they were always scared that the high priest might have secret sins in his life that nobody knew about. And they were scared that when he went behind the curtain, he might drop dead. 
So what they used to do was they used to tie a rope around his waist. Because if this guy dies, nobody was going in there after him. Right? <laughs> and at the bottom of his garments, he had little bells. As long as the bells were jingling, they knew he was still alive in there. And they would send him in behind the curtain <clears throat> into the holy place. <laughs> I'm pulling that anchor with me. Right. And as long as he was jingling, they knew he was alive. But if the jingling stopped, they would think, oh my goodness. And they would pull him, his dead body, back out again. <laughs> right. That's what the high priest did. But it, it was just symbolic. It was a prophecy of what Jesus would do. And it says here that Jesus has become our high priest. He's passed through the curtain, not the curtain in the temple. He's passed through the curtain between heaven and earth. Jesus lived and died. He was our sacrifice and rose again. And then he ascended into heaven. On you go, into heaven. He ascended into heaven. And now, oops. And now, Jesus is in heaven, but it says there that, have you ever read those verses that say we are all, even though we're here in the earth, in Christ, we're already in heavenly places? And you're like, what, is that by location? Am I two places at the same time? I mean, what, this is what it means. Christ is in heaven, and he has gone in there as a human anchor. He has gone beyond the curtain and we are anchored to him. And one day, he's going to pull you right into heaven with him. Off you go, right into heaven. When you die, you're going to get pulled right into heaven because you're connected to Christ by a spiritual umbilical cord. Or if you're still alive at the second coming of Christ, I need you to come out. He'll come back. And take us with them. Off you go back through there. I need you to stay for a while now. You can probably take a seat. You can be seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. <laughs> Do you see what it's saying? It's saying Christ has already gone beyond the curtain and he is an anchor for our souls. He's already there. People, your ship, your ship, the ship that you live in, your life Everybody's life, this fellowship, this ship that we're all brothers and sisters in together, sometimes the storms of life will blow us about. Sometimes so much blessing will come that our life will be lifted to a higher place. Sometimes difficulties will come, but it doesn't matter. We won't get blown out into the ocean. We have an anchor in heaven for our souls. As long as you are united to Jesus Christ, you cannot stray too far away that God cannot bring you back again. So this is the anchor for our souls. And I want you to notice this. As long as I'm holding on to this rope, I am united by faith spiritually to Christ. I am not walking a tightrope through life. I have got a, there's a lot of things I could do. There's a lot of things I could do. Is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol? Well, if you've ever had a drink problem, I would suggest you don't. But if you don't, you have the freedom to have a little port <laughs> after your meal. 
Is it okay for me to, like, I've got feelings for this girl and she's got feelings for me and I want to ask her out on a date, but what if she's not the one perfect soulmate that exists in the world? There's eight million people out there and one of, no, there's probably a thousand people that it would be all right for you to marry and it'd be a good match. There's probably a million that it would be a really bad idea, (laughs) right? You have a great amount of flexibility. God said, it says, Jesus said, you are no longer my servants, you are now my brothers and, and sisters and my friends. So it's, you're not a slave saying, God, give me the command. I will not use my own mind. What should I do with my life? No, you use your own mind. You think, you, you express your personality, you use your gifts and talents. You've got great flexibility as long as you don't let go of the rope and go and do something stupid. As long as you keep your faith in Christ and you don't, you don't make the boat your life purpose, your career, your ministry, whatever it is, you don't make that your anchor because it ain't anchored to anything. If you're just holding on to the boat, when the storms of life come, they blow the boat out, they blow you out too. As long as you continually keep your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Savior, and your guide through life, you have great flexibility. There's lots of things you could do. You say, but, but... but what about the devil? He might tempt me to do something wrong or something like that. Well, we've got a devil here as well. <clears throat> Taylor, get your demonic self out here, will you? <clears throat> Let's pretend that this, this is where Taylor. You see, the devil's got a rope around him too. Do you know the Bible says, listen, let me just say this. Just stay there and be innocent for a minute longer. (laughs) The Bible says the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the evil one. Did Jesus succeed or fail? Come on. Okay, the Bible says when Jesus rose from the dead, he spoiled principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them. True or false? The Bible said, in the Bible, Jesus said, talking about the devil, he said, the reason I have come is to bind the strong man so that I can plunder his goods. That was you and me. We get plundered. Did Jesus succeed or did he fail? And then in the book of Revelation, it gives us a picture of the devil being bound in a chain. Not totally bound. Bound does not mean destroyed, non-existent, but it means limited, it means restricted, and it means hindered. So Jesus did all of those things. He bound the strong man. He bound the enemy with, if you like, a symbolic spiritual chain. Now, the devil's an old meanie. You need to be an old meanie. Just do stuff like that. Right. Okay. People, I have great flexibility within the will of God. As long as I'm united to Christ, I can do all kinds of things. Sometimes, how far can you go with that rope? 
Right. Sometimes I might get pretty close to the devil. And the devil can scare me. Go and scare me. <laughs> and it can allow fear and doubt and anxiety to get into my mind. But the devil cannot touch me as long as I'm holding on to the rope. Now, if I'm a silly person and I decide to let go of the rope and get into the devil's territory and play around, come and I can be, a, I can be under attack. But as long as I so sometimes, within the will of God, I might be enjoying life, enjoying a vacation on the beach in the summer sun. And sometimes in life, I might be involved, let's say I'm involved in a ministry or an organization that helps rescue people from human trafficking or something like that. And when I do that, I have to go out into the dark area of life and I see things and hear things and discover things and discover how much evil is in the world, and it can be in tip, I've got close to it. It still can't touch me unless I let it in there. The battle is in our mind, the Bible says. And I'll tell you what I don't do. I don't say, there's the devil. I'll sort him out. First of all, you don't need to sort the devil out. Jesus has sorted the devil out for you. What you need to do is stay united to Christ. And if you feel like you're under attack, pull yourself a little bit closer. Do, do you know what they see in the, in, the, in the British Isles in ancient times when Christianity first came during the, it was the Celtic church. Do you know what the Celtic monks used to do? they felt that God had called them to go out into the pagan world, which was quite scary, some of the paganism and sacrifices and witchcraft and all that stuff. <clears throat> um, and so they would go out there into these villages in Scotland that were full of witches and druids and creepy things. And they would preach the gospel and they would see people set free, but they would also be under attack from the enemy. So what they would do was this. They wouldn't do that all the time. They would come out here and they would preach the gospel and heal the sick and so on. And then they would retreat back to the monastery. They would get as close to the Lord as possible. <sighs> and they would spend time in the presence of God, just being filled up, filled up, filled up. And then, then they would come out here and they would spend a lot of their time just in the middle area. They've got a faith in God and they're out in the real world and they're mixing with people and talking with people and making friends. And then when they felt that God had called them to go to another pagan village and to deal with all the nasty stuff there and preach the good news of Jesus, they would go back there again only as God would lead them, cast out demons and that, and then they would go back and they would spend time in the presence of God. Do you know what? I think sometimes in a lot of modern day Christianity, we are encouraged to spend so much of our time down here. You know, you need to do this, you need to do that. The devil's taken over the world. No, he's not. God's taken over the world. The kingdom shall fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. But anyway, fight this and do that and deal with this and work hard and minister and you'll get claw marks and all of that. And I you can hang about here buddying up with the devil if you want, but you can also just swing over here. There is great flexibility, but I'll tell you, 
One thing, the devil can't come after you because he is restricted, he is bound. Look at this, Jesus has gone through the curtain into the inner sanctuary. He's an anchor for our soul and he's become our high priest. First of all, he tied this dude up and then he tied us up to him and says, I'm holding on to you. I'm your rescue ship and I'm taking you out of there. Thank you, Taylor and Tanner, Jesus and the devil. We are joined to Christ. John's Gospel, 15. Let's look at this. It says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that bear fruit so that they'll produce even more fruit. Sometimes as you're finding and fixing your fault lines, becoming acquainted with yourself, discovering your gifts and abilities and your life purpose and finding the path that God has created you in life, sometimes other things get drop off and get, well, what am I gonna do? I used to do this and now that doesn't seem important anymore. This is, sometimes God will prune things off of our lives so that we will produce more fruit. And then he says this, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. It's the word of God that changes the way we think. By the message I have given you. Abide in me and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. People, if you want your life to blossom, to flourish, and to bear much fruit, it doesn't come by you rushing around in a frenzy trying to do things in your own effort. It comes about by you remaining strongly connected to your Lord and Savior. Keeping your trust in God, you are a branch and he is the vine. If, if you chop a branch off of a vine and leave it lying over there, it won't produce any fruit because there's no sap flowing into it. But if the branch is connected with the vine, the life that is in the vine flows into the branch and the branch produces fruit effortlessly because it's coming from its source. And people, what this is saying is this, look, if you want your life to be fruitful and blessed and to blossom and all of that kind of stuff, make sure that your method for doing that is abiding in Christ. Let God change you in his way and in his time. Let him lead and guide you to the right path. Don't try and rush through this whole process and get your whole life perfect in three days because that ain't gonna happen. Or if it is gonna happen, next week we'll have you on the platform telling us how you did it because I really need to know that. But my experience is life is a lifelong journey of course corrections and making sure that our faith 
and our hope is always in Jesus. And when you get to the end of your life, you have an anchor in heaven, and you're going to get pulled straight in there, and you're going to go and be with your Lord. What I'm wanting to do in a moment is close with a prayer, but I want, you, I want to show you where this prayer is, it comes from. It comes from the book of Ephesians. And it is a prayer about making sure our lives are grounded and making sure that we, we focus on internal spiritual strength that comes only from God. Let's have a look at this passage. It's Ephesians 3, and it says this. When I think of this, I fall, all the stuff he's been talking about, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of heaven, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, hey, my resources are limited and your resources are limited, but God's resources are unlimited. From his unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. That deep in the heart of you, things will be aligned and will be grounded and will be integrated and will be strong with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. That Christ will dwell fully within you as you trust in him, hold on to him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong and grounded. Even when circumstances change, you're gonna be like an oak tree, strong and grounded in him. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is far too great for you to understand fully. Then may you be filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that an amazing prayer? Let's stand together. We're going to sing this song. And this song is a prayer. At the end of this song, I'm going to come back out and we're going to say a prayer based on this passage. But this song itself is a prayer. As you sing the words to this song, be putting your faith in Christ alone. Okay? Let's do that. Let's say this prayer together. I think we've got it up on the screen, we do. We're gonna say this prayer together. We're gonna to say it with great confidence. Remember that? Because Jesus is our hope. He's in heaven, he's anchored there. Our salvation is safe and secure. No power of hell and no scheme of man can ever pluck you from his hands. Jesus said that in John's Gospel. Let's say this prayer together based on that Ephesians prayer. Are we ready? Let's go. Father God, creator of heaven and earth, I come to you today 
in expectation. I pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, you will empower me with inner strength through your Spirit. I pray that Christ will dwell fully in my heart as I trust in Him. May my roots grow down deep into your love. May my life be strong and grounded in you. And may I be filled to overflowing with all the fullness of God. I ask in Jesus' name. 